God Filter Podcast is brought to you by the Sanctuary of Philadelphia in Philadelphia, Mississippi. You can contact our pastor, Adrian Holly, on Facebook or find more info at thegodfilter.com. You are now listening to the God Filter Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, my brothers that are in front of me, uh, welcome to The Filter Podcast, Episode 1, Our Maiden Voyage, and we come to you in the name that is above every name, in Jesus' name. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we're going to get right to the matter at hand. Uh, you're probably wondering what The Filter is, uh, what The Filter means, what it traces back to. So we're just going to tell you now, we're not going to talk about anything except your Bible today. So my name's Adrian Holly. I am the senior pastor of the Sanctuary of Philadelphia here in Philadelphia, Mississippi. And I am sitting with uh, two of my very good friends that have walked. We have all three walked a a tremendous journey together. So on my left in front of me is uh, my friend, Robert Pullen. Brother Robert, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic and just thrilled to be here. Great, that's that's wonderful, and uh, we're we are. Uh, I don't know what we'd have done without you in this process. So, uh, thank you for being here today. I know you had to juggle a few things around to get here, but glad you're here. And to my right, sitting in front of me, is a uh, man I we could not be doing this without, from a technical point of view, from a spiritual point of view, from a research point of view. Uh, my buddy Scott Walker. Brother Scott, how are you today? Doing good. Ready to get this out to the world. Let's go. All right. I think before we start, and we're talking about the Bible and the filter, and it's all very specific. Uh, any episode we do moving forward, I think we can all agree that we're going to be talking about some very specific things and um, some things that we uncovered on the journey uh, that's in the written word. We, I think we need to understand, I think people need to understand that, that this is not stuff that we received in, you know, just dreams and visions and a word, right? This is stuff that is confirmed in the Bible that you can open your Bible up and you can see uh, for yourself. And so as we start that journey, I think that it's proper to um, be honest. And honesty is very important in the kingdom of God. And um, I think we just got to be honest. And I'll be honest, I'll go first. How's that sound? We really have had no idea what this Bible is really about and what it's talking about. We've had, we've had you know, certain stories and certain instances that we read, that we know about, that we've looked at, that we've been taught since we were little. Uh, but largely speaking, the Bible is a huge mystery. Uh, could, would, could we agree kind of agree on that, that we really didn't know what this Bible was talking about. I can agree with that 100%. Yeah, I mean, you felt that way. Absolutely. So, um, I have felt that way for a long time. I've never understood how the infallible Word of God could produce 200 different denominations in North America. All of them, not all of them, uh, majority of them having different doctrines. Uh, and now we're all arguing about it. And I think we fight more about it in in the Christian community than we do fight the things, fighting the things that we're supposed to fight about. So we don't know. And so if you're listening here and you're not in this number of uh, 
And if you have it all figured out and you know exactly what the Bible's talking about, uh, you know, one, I'm probably not going to trust that, just to be honest with you. Uh, and, and But for the majority of you listening, you're probably shaking your head saying that's exactly right. I really don't know what's going on in this scripture. Who can understand all of this stuff? And uh, the journey we've been on has brought it to the forefront. Uh, we feel like now what you're fixing to hear is we can understand the Bible, what it's talking about, what it's saying, what it's fighting, more importantly, our role in that fight from what we are to refrain from, what we are to grab a hold of, in which direction that we're supposed to walk. And so I'm looking forward to sharing that with you uh, today, and uh, I'm looking forward, forward to us sitting here and conversing about it. Uh, after the podcast is over, you can go visit our website at uh, thegodfilter.com. We have a website set up. It's going to be a great source of information for you because you're going to hear some things today that you've never heard, see some things that you've never seen, and it's all going to be right there in your Bible. It's not going to be, it's not going to be interpretation by us or anybody else. It's going to be right there in Scripture. So let's get to it. Let, let's get how we let, let's just lay some groundwork here. Let's lay some groundwork here to how we got here. And how we got here is about a year and a half ago, uh, I fell um, into a, a deep spiritual depression. Now, I never got, I never got to the point. You, you ever, you ever, have you ever been there? Has any of you ever been there in just a deep spiritual depression? A dry season. I, I, yeah, the dry season. Okay. I, that's, I'm going to go a little bit farther and say mine surpassed a dry season. Uh, because I, I had become depressed spiritually because I did not understand the word. And then I had been in that position so long that I had just quit reading it. Because that is what we're taught, right? We're taught if we read the word and pray, God will reveal it to us. That sounds so great. That's a great line. But if you really stop and break that down, it kind of makes no sense. I'm not trying to pick on anybody's how they were taught or trained, but it just kind of makes no sense because what if I'm praying and the Lord reveals something different to me than he does to you and it doesn't fit the context, it doesn't fit the doctrine of the Bible, and now me and you are at odds because you're pretty sure that God told you that's what it means. Too many interpretations. Yeah, and then it, I'm over here saying, well, this is how God told me, and now we're arguing about something that's supposed to be pretty clear, the greatest book ever. Matter of fact, it's settled in heaven as we speak and cannot change. That's how great it is. And so I was preaching. I wasn't going to quit. I was frustrated. I wasn't seeing the deliverance that I wanted to see. I wasn't seeing the impact that I wanted to see. And if you want to take the building and, and the crowd size and rate that as success, hey, then I guess I was successful. And I, don't, I don't look at success in those terms. Uh, and I had reached a point to where I was having zero success by kingdom standards. And I was just depressed. And about uh, April, no, I'm sorry, September of 2022, I am, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a place where I'm like, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than what I'm seeing. There's got to be more than what I'm reading. There's certainly got to be more than what I'm understanding. There has to be more. And I think these are, I think these are questions that, most people don't want to admit out loud, but we're struggling with it across denominal lines, across Christianity as a whole, 
that uh, what is what is going on? There's got to be a little more to it than than what I've been told and what I'm doing. And I found that most people really want the standard of the kingdom itself. But when they don't get it, and they don't see it manifest in their lives, they get discouraged. I'm there as personally. I'm there as a, as a pastor. Um, I'm, I'm dealing with this. So, so in September of 2022, I had a dream, and I'll run through that quickly because I think that's important just from a, a light. You'll hear that word as we as we speak uh, in, in today and in, uh, in other episodes that will come. Um, light. I'm, 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 I'm asleep, and I had a dream, and in the dream I'm like in an office setting, and, and there's this individual um, that is, I walk into the room, and they're just berating me, and it's just it's the same old stuff, and we'll just, you know, for confidential purposes and discretion, we'll just leave that there, but and then it's berating me personally. And I don't even know what's being said, but I come back at it and and it cowers down in the corner. And then when I gather myself, it gathers itself and comes back. And it's just the whole cycle, the whole, the whole process is taking place. And all of a sudden a young man in the church um, busts in the room and starts proclaiming, there shall be light in the evening. There shall be light in the evening. And... I woke up. When I woke up, I was laying on my back, and a uh, single tear was rolling down my face. And I reached over, and I grabbed my phone, um, and I Googled, there shall be light in the evening. And it took me to Zechariah. That is a verse in the Bible. In the evening, there shall be light. In a place where there's usually the darkness comes, there's going to be light in its place. And the Lord spoke to me and said, here comes the light. The light is coming. I preached it that Sunday. I didn't have no idea the depth of what I preached or what the dream was. I just knew that God Almighty, through his word, because God will never speak to you without it being you being able to confirm what is said in that word. He will not. I know there's people out there who believe that God doesn't speak to people anymore. That's baloney. But when he does speak, it has to be able to be confirmed in the word. And that's how I know it was from God because what was said in the dream was confirmed in the word. And then he spoke to me and said, just when you think it's going to get dark again, just when you think you're going to go through another whole cycle of darkness, at the normal times, the light's going to come on. Here comes the light. So um, I plugged along. It did not heal me. It did not. It did not wake me up so to speak and so by april uh you know i'm i'm i've gone down either even farther by this point i'm not even reading the bible and don't don't gasp y'all know what i'm talking about you listeners know what i'm talking about i'm not even reading it what's the point of reading something that you can't understand what reading i did was to get a sermon and that's not proper and at this point now in april i'm recycling sermons and i'm changing titles and if we can't be honest we can't do anything in life and I'm just being honest. And so it's a Saturday night, uh, April the 15th at 11.03. I lay down in my bed with my iPad. I look at my phone or my iPad. I look at my sermon, and it's just it's just pathetic. It's just worse. It's the worst. Uh, and uh, I had heard earlier that day on, on a video Facebook reel about uh, when Stephen was stoned, he looked up to the heavens and saw Jesus standing 
at the right hand of the Father, which that's always just a position of power. It's symbolic of power. All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And But any other time you look at it in Scripture, he's always seated at the right hand of the Father when it's mentioned. And so that just kind of stuck stuck out to him. And I was like, well, I want to go see why Jesus was indeed standing. What What would cause... What would cause Jesus to stand when other places he's sitting? And so I read the verse of scripture and then I was like, okay, in order to get this in context, I need to go back to the beginning of Acts chapter seven. So I'm in Acts chapter seven and I'm reading and Stephen is dragging them through the mud. Most churches would not want to deal with Stephen if he came and preached. They would not have him back because he drugged them through the mud. Um, and their ups and downs and the history of, of the Jews and what they did all the way from, from, I'm talking from the beginning of the Bible until that moment. And I get to uh, the turning point of my entire spiritual life. Acts chapter 7, verse 43. And Stephen says something to them, and, it, and you can go read it for yourself, but he, he mentions the tabernacle of Moloch, who most of us has heard of. And then he says this, the star of your God, Remphan, R-E-M-P-H-A-N. And I sat straight up in the bed and I said out loud, and my wife thought I'd lost my mind, but I said out loud, I said, who are you? And I woke up that fast, that quick. And I didn't have it in its fullest. I didn't understand what I was looking at, but I knew I could feel the spirit of God saying, there is more. I know you've been looking and I know you've been down. And I ain't even thought about the dream at this point, but there is more. There's something in this Bible that is being missed. And so I preached it the next morning with identity religion. Uh, and fortunately I got that right because ultimately the star of Remphan Remphan across theological lines goes back um, to the star of David, which David has nothing to do with it in reality. Um, they call it the star of David. That's really not what it is. Solomon is actually responsible for it. And if you really search the history of it, it's not even a good thing. That's right. I mean, let's just, that's not our opinion. That's not us, you know, talking bad uh, about anything, um, anything that's of the Jews. It's literally. If you search it out, it's literally a pagan symbol that Solomon actually used as a ring signet and brought to them. And now they are being identified by something that they don't even know what it is. Well, what does that sound like in our religious world right now? There's people who just love their identification. And they got so mad at him when he said that, that that's when the riot started. They took him, they bit him, they stopped up their ears like children, drug him outside of town and killed him. And yeah, that's... That would be a great story if it wasn't true now because you can mess with anybody's stuff. Just don't mess with what I believe and who I am. Don't don't prove me wrong. Mm -mm, don't mess with mine. I have the truth. I am what I am. And if you challenge that whatsoever, it doesn't even matter if you challenge it with truth or information, they will come unhinged at you. Just like some people will do in this podcast. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm witness number one to that. Uh, you know, our first meeting, I was... I was mad at you and what you were saying sure. and preaching. Left the church. Left the church. You thought I hated you. You thought I was I, against you. I, I did. I, I did. So, uh, but I found out that that was not the case. Well, I'm glad you came back. <laughs> Me right? too. Me too. 
I think what you learned is what oftentimes people misconstrue about me is I am for people. I am for all people. I hate systems. But we are so ingrained. We've been trained. You didn't even know why. Huh? You didn't even know why. I didn't even know why. I couldn't explain it. You just knew there was something wrong. There was something wrong. With the institutions of religion. It's just a spiritual intuitiveness, I guess. That and now I have now I can explain it all and will in days and months and it's weeks coming. to come. It is coming. We'll do a we'll do a show on that and it, um, it hopefully it'll open some of your eyes like it is mine. But in my in my preaching before all of this, when I railed on institutions and religious institutions, people always took that personally because don't mess with the star on my flag, right? You're a testament to that. I, I am. Don't I, mess with the star on my flag. I will leave your church if you don't. If you mess with what I believe. I was I was raised this way. I right. believe this, and and you ain't telling me nothing different. Right. Right or wrong. Right or wrong. Uh, right or wrong. It doesn't matter. That's my star and my flag, and don't mess with it. And so uh, then then that comes in, and I'll move through this part quick because I came into a men's Bible study uh, pretty soon after that, and. Uh, I started talking about it, Ram fan. I couldn't find anything on it, and you guys were there. And me and you, Robert, we, uh, I mean, you weren't even really close yet. I mean, you had been coming, and hey, how you doing? And that was about the extent of our relationship. Uh, we may have had one lunch to where we talked about some things, but that may have been after, I don't know the timeline of that, but we wasn't close. And so when we was talking about it, little did I know you guys went home, and you started the search on your own, and I didn't even know you was doing it. So when we had the next men's Bible study after that, uh, me and Scott, I think me and Scott maybe talked about it a little bit, but me and you, Robert, we did not. So when you came in and you had that little moment to where my, our, our spirits bared witness with one another and you just kind of slammed all your, in, in a in a frustrated way, not an ugly way, uh, slammed your notepad and iPad and all that down and said, I can't find nothing on this guy. I'll never forget it. Because I sat back in my chair and I looked at you and I was like, oh, okay, this guy's dug in like I am. The issue with being dug in on RimFan is that we never really found anything. We not traced it there. back. Now, there's not much there. We traced it back to uh, Amos chapter 5, the word Cayune, and we traced that back to Saturn, the planet Saturn. And we'll get to astrology and all that in a moment. And uh, we knew something was there. So after I preached the message of RimFan, and look, I know y'all are probably, oh, let's talk about the filter. I can't talk about the filter until, you, until I tell you how it came about. It's all and part of it. It is a part of it. And so after I preached the message that first morning, there was a, a precious lady in the church came and handed me a book and said, uh, I think you should probably really read this after I preached Rimfand. And um, I don't read. Uh, I don't read at all. And I guess the joke's on me now. But uh, I was gracious. Thank you very much for giving it to me. And I set it on the bar at my house and uh, had no intentions of reading it. And about two weeks after all this, I started slipping back down the hole of depression because we didn't find what we thought we would find. If we look for Rim Fan enough, what it meant in Scripture, we're certainly to come up on something. And all we found was it just seems to be something that's hidden. We knew something was hidden. Now, we didn't know what we was about to find, but we knew something was hidden. And we knew it was right in front of us because... Not one word in the Bible is a waste of time. It it mean it. So for Stephen to say this, it was very important. And so uh, I'm sitting at the house one night about nine o'clock. I'm slipping back down. Um, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change my habits. Let me tuck the TV off. Get off Facebook. 
social media. I'm going to read something. How about I fill my brain with something that's useful? And what am I going to read? And I looked around, and that book's there. And it's a book called The Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. Jonathan Kahn's a well-known author, and uh, it was available. So I laid down in the bed, and I opened it up, and I started reading. And by the time I got to chapter 4, and I need to be clear about uh, The Return of the Gods. The Return of the Gods is not, uh, a, is not the Bible. It is a book of information about the Bible. Much related to how how they affect America. Yes, it was really written to That's America. That's predominantly what it's about. Sure, it is. Very little scripture in it. Very little theology in it. It's just information. And as I started reading the information, and of course, what the and who the information is written about is in the Bible. So that makes that makes it credible right there, uh, because he's not just plucked names out of thin air. And he's done research with it, and a lot of it's based on uh, Mesopotamia things. Um, and old writings and transcripts and standstones and things that you can verify. You can verify Google. You can pull it all up and find it. It's, he references a lot of his references, or he gives a lot of his references uh, in there. And so uh, the book is about uh, three gods, Baal, uh, Ishtar, and Moloch. And I read it and I was blown away. The information is exactly what we're fighting in our homes. It's what we're fighting in our community. It's what we're fighting in our churches. It's what we're fighting in America, in the streets, literally. It is just unbelievable information. And I immediately knew that I had to teach the church this. But I took, after I read the book, I took about six weeks just to ponder. It's heavy stuff. You just can't haphazardly run into stuff. But I knew that I had to get this information out. And so finally when I came to that moment, I was just, uh, I was, so okay, I'm going to preach on Baal and um, Ashtoreth is what her name is in scripture. You'll hear me say Ishtar. I like that pronunciation better. That's her Mesopotamian name. But uh, so um, so um, I, I said, right, I'm going to preach on Sunday mornings. And, you know, I went to Mount Carmel and uh, I went to Jezebel. Uh, I went to 2 Kings 23. All three of them are mentioned there in, uh, in three weeks. Uh, and then on Sunday nights, I started the Sunday night class from 6 to 7. I'm going to do three weeks on Baal, three weeks on Ishtar, and two weeks on, on Mola. And so I taught, I preached Sunday morning on Baal, heavy, heavy, heavy. And I knew we was on to something. But the heavy, it was, it was insanity. And then I taught Sunday night, and I, it started growing among the people. I could tell that the people were interested in it. That they wanted to know. After all, it is in the Bible. Right? I think we need to make that clear right now. What we're talking about is all in your Bible. And so the next week, I covered it on Sunday morning, Ishtar, and then I came back to Baal number two. When I got finished preaching Baal, the second week of Baal, I was making my rounds, cutting the air off after everybody was leaving, and I rounded the nursery in the hall, and the Lord spoke to me. And remember, the Lord will never speak something that cannot be confirmed in his word. But this, what he spoke to me, was a little frightening, because he spoke to me and said, Adrian, and I don't know how God speaks to you. I like, I like to think he speaks to me through how a friend would speak to me. I said, Adrian, you know that's all this Bible's about, is the combating of these three gods. That's, you can't just say stuff like that out loud. You don't want to run into a podcast 15 minutes after you heard that and, and say that out loud without being able to bring something to the table. I said, that's all this book's about. 
And I know, I know, you don't even like the word God. You're cringing already, right? We'll get there in a moment. We'll explain it to you and we'll show you you're cringing at something that is in your Bible in black and white. It's not even revelation. It's just reading. It's the reading of the text. So I called Robert and Scott, who had helped me dig on Rim Fan. The only two people, the only two people I felt like at that moment that I could call that would understand the quest because they had been on Rim Fan. And I said, gentlemen, we're changing our tactic. This is what the Lord told me. Let's prove it right or let's prove it wrong. We're going to look for these three gods everywhere. Indeed, because we had the information of their deeds. We're going to give that to you in a moment. Indeed, and what we found was absolutely incredible. And I, and I, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, unbelievable. It, it really was just eye-opening. Front to back, cover to cover. And so we're fixing to share that with you right now. So to understand they understand all the things that we're about to share with you and hang in here with us. And I don't know if you're driving or at work or whatever, uh, you might have to break this up, but stick in here with us to the end to understand what we're about to share with you that we uncovered in scripture. Now, listen, you can't look, let's look at this as, Oh man, what kind of doctrine are they fixed? This is not doctrine. This is words in the Bible, it's written words in the Bible, right? That's right. It's, it's nothing, nothing new, nothing that, uh, we made up. We, encourage you to go and look and see it for yourself please prove us wrong yeah i mean i think that's fair but it, the no word... I, and i mean that absolutely seriously and i think we all do is that we've done the research we've tried to prove this wrong we have at least I'm, i have we've i've asked people in the church i could bring them on here to verify that i did when i gave it to them sporadically through the church yeah uh, and I would look at them. The last thing I would say is, please go prove me wrong. Mm -hmm. Because if you can. I've tried to prove myself wrong. Yeah. You know, what? what As a matter of fact, what's crazy about it is the more we try to prove ourselves wrong, the more the more right it became. Yeah. And not us. To we're the point where right. it's scary. Scri yeah. It, it's kind of scary. It's, it's all right there in the words of the Bible. Because just as it is to anybody to be listening to this, it's revelationary. And you're now looking at the Bible in a new way, in a new in with the spirit world and the spiritual warfare that's happening. Yep. It's something that we know about, but did we actually believe it? Well, we've taken the spirit we've taken the spirit out of the church. We've taken the spirit world out of the church. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, would you agree? The spirit world doesn't exist in any way, form, way, shape, form, or fashion as it does in Scripture. We've reduced the devil. I don't even use the word devil anymore. We've reduced the word devil to a little bitty man in a red suit and a pointed tail and a few horns uh, that frustrates us when our food's not on time at the Wendy's drive-thru. The devil's fighting me today. We've reduced him to that. I don't know what we've reduced. God is a spirit. We reduced Jesus to he forgives my sins. And that's and, it. And that's that's it. That is that's it. And while that is true, that is not to that is not the entirety of of scripture why jesus came and why jesus died but the bible says that god is a spirit and so we have well, I'm, I'm quite certain even in the church that i pastor we we have people that believe in god the spirit but they don't believe in the spirits of darkness they don't believe in um, the things that are given in scripture so you start talking about this. Some people are already running for the hills because they don't want to talk about the darkness because, well, I just don't know about that. Well, if you don't know about what's in the dark, are you sure you believe what's in the light? That's a good point. Like if, you're, if you can't believe in the dark spirits that are trying to kill you, 
and and cause havoc in your life? Are you sure you believe in the God that wants to save you? Are you 100% sure of that? Or are you just operating off a belief that you were told to believe in you as a child? There's a spirit world in the Bible, a whole spirit world that I'm fixing to give you right now in just a few minutes that you have to go home and make sense of. And if you're a pastor, you've got to go make sense of it in your life, in your pulpit. You've got to make you got to make sense of it in your marriage. You've got to make sense of it in scripture with your children. And it is it it transcends when we show you what we're about to show you. It's going to transcend everything you thought you knew. It transcended everything I thought I knew. And I thought I knew a little bit. Did you think you knew something? I thought so. I thought I knew something. And we'll just give you some examples. Now, the reason we're just going to give you some high points here and then we'll share something with you. Did you know the word gods? Little g, G-O-D-S, gods. You know the word gods is mentioned in the Bible in both Testaments 215 times. 215 times the word gods is used. And it's written about in context of reality and not symbolism. So we'll just give you a few examples of the spirit world in Scripture to get your mind started so that you may see this in the Bible. Psalm 82.1 God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. Well, what's going on with that? What's going on with that statement there? He stands in the congregation of the mighty and he judgeth among the gods. Who's that talking to? What's the What's the layout of that setting? What has David seen that we can't see? Then we talk about the witch of Endor. When Saul, Saul, uh, Samuel's died, Saul wanted to talk to him. He's dead. He goes to a witch, sorcery, witchcraft, and asks her to summons up Paul's spirit so that he can talk to him and get counsel from him. She goes through whatever her routine is. When she gets finished doing the routine, she screams, scared her to death. Saul asked her, he's like, just tell me the truth. I won't hurt you. You know, just calm down. Tell me the truth about what you just saw. And she said, I saw gods coming up from the earth. Well, what is that talking about? Like, what's going on with that, right? You know, we don't know. I mean, we do know. We know now. We know exactly what it is. But at the time, we're like, well, what is this talking about? Then you get to Daniel chapter 10. We... 21-day fast, 21-day prayer. We love using Daniel's 21-day of prayer model. But I'm, I'm often wondering if people have ever seen what actually went on in Daniel chapter 10 in that setting. Because it was God's desire for Daniel to be answered the first day he prayed. So when the angel shows up, he says, Hey, Danny, uh, Sorry, I couldn't. Sorry, I couldn't get here on day one, but I got hung up uh, in a a war with the prince of Persia, and it got so bad that uh, Michael, the archangel, had to come fight for me to get me loose so that I could get to you. So instead of being here day one, I'm here on day. You know, it took me three weeks to get it. Well, what's going? What's going on with that? What? Where's? You know what? What is happening in the heavenlies? And folks, all that is in your Bible. That is in your yeah, Bible. Yeah, it's all in your Bible. And then you get to Acts, Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter eight. Philip baptized Acts, the New Testament, for all the 
New Covenant people, as if the Old Testament just doesn't matter anymore, which is crazy. Paul, sorry, Paul fights that and absolutely gives us the reason why we should know what's in the Old Testament, for it is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3 is the knowledge of sin. Where do the sins come from? The gods. We're fleshing all that out. Just hang in here. And then he says in the last verse of Romans that we are to establish the law, the law being the Old Testament. The Old Testament is vital. So if you just close your eyes to the Old Testament, you are doing yourself, well, you're out of line. It's the word of God. You can't pick and choose which parts you like and what you don't like just because you don't understand it. But we understand it now. That's why we're sitting here in this room right now. We're trying to give it to you so that when you read the scripture, you can understand it. Philip in Acts 8 is baptizing the eunuch. And when the eunuch comes up out of the water, uh, the Bible says that Philip was caught away by the spirit and teleported to another place. Well, what's going on with that? Acts chapter 13 uh, a whole sorcerer stands up in the congregation Paul's preaching to, starts going through all of his witchcraft words. Paul stares him down in the face, commands blindness to come up on him. And the Bible says that a mist, a mist and a darkness, a mist, like a fog, a mist and darkness came up on him and he was blind. Well, what's going on with that? Had to get somebody to lead him around by the hand. Yeah. What, what's what's going on with that? Where, where, what are we fighting here? Psalm 80, 86 and 8. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works unto thy works. Well, what is who's that talking about? What's the basis of that? And then you get to Jude in the New Testament, and Jude's writing about uh, Satan and Michael fighting over the body of Moses. Well, what in the world's going on in that setting? Why are they fighting over a body? Because there's a whole war going on around us in the Bible that we have not seen, we've not been privileged to, we've not been taught, and we found it. We see what it is, and we see how how deep it is. And so now we've and that's just that is just go to thegodfilter.com and you'll see verses from every book of the Bible that references all of this stuff, including the epistles, and um, great source of information, but we, we, we plug on. And so to understand all of this, we've got to look at some historical, some his, of course, historical aspects from many different writings. So what you're fixing to hear is word historical writings and mythology. And right there, somebody's going to cut it off. I'm not talking about mythology. Let me tell you what we found out with mythology. Mythology was mythology until we've discovered that all of a sudden it wasn't mythology. Because the more we studied mythology and traced back the roots of mythology to Mesopotamia, by the way, which is the, the Ur of the Chaldees uh, in your Bible, the more we realized that those names were actually in our Bible. What happened was from Mesopotamia to Babylon, which is basically the same thing. Mesopotamia and Babylon is basically the same thing. Time frame and geographically speaking, it's all that's all clustered there together. Uh, it runs through the Old Testament, through the intertestamental period, into the New Testament, and then it runs through Roman 
Roman mythology. It runs through Greek mythology, and then it spreads throughout the world. And so we looked at all of this stuff, and every time we would find, and we're going to give you examples of this in just a moment, we would find something in Greek mythology, a god in Greek mythology, and we would start tracing it backwards. We would always end up in Mesopotamia. And when we found who that was in Mesopotamia, then we found it in our Bible. And while it was, it was a great trick. It was a repackaging and a rebranding of the same three gods. They just, their deeds never changed, but their names changed. How it they, goes beyond that too. It goes beyond cultures outside yeah, of that, yeah, across tran- the world. It transcends cultures, and we're going to give you some stuff in just a moment. Uh, but we're not even going to be able to cover African culture and South American culture and all, and even right here in our own culture, Native American culture. Uh, we've run it back right here to Neshoba County and then traced it all the way back to Mesopotamia. Same, it's going to come back to one of three names every time. And one of the, and those three names are in your Bible. And we're going to do that for you in just a moment. So uh, let's roll with Baal. Baal. Baal is all in your Bible. Baal, we have traced Baal back to, uh, Baal is Satan in the New Testament. Let me not get ahead of myself. In Mesopotamia, in Mesopotamia, Baal uh, is known as Baal Hadad or Hadad, H-A-D-A-D. There, and y'all fill in any holes here with me. Well, there's Uh, many versions of Baal with the consensus being that Baal being the root word, that's the God, and then each city, municipality, culture had a suffix to like that. Like a Baal Peor yeah. you find in Samuel's yeah. writings. And then there's uh, the... There's a lot of them. Yeah, there's Just a lot Googling. of them. And then there's like one version of that right. is Baal something and it's about hemorrhoids. Yeah, and, that's that's uh, Baal Peor. Is that Peor? Yeah, that was yeah. when God smote them with... Smote them with... The Bible says they use the word emeralds. But he smote them with hemorrhoids because... Honestly, the things they were doing with that region of the body yeah, had yeah. angered God tremendously. That's another whole study, but all that's in your Bible. like, And you're sitting here wondering, what are they talking about? Stuff that's in your Bible. All of it. And so in Mesopotamia, we'll just start there. Uh, Baal Hadad um, was his name. Well, in the Old Testament, he, he mainly goes by just Baal. But then you have some derivatives, Baal, Baal Peor. Um, and you read all through the New Testament, uh, most of the time it's just Baal, but you'll see another name attached to the end of it, still Baal. Well, by the time you get to the New Testament, it's uh, Jesus references him as Beelzebub. And even there, you can hear the, the, the linguistic connection. Which is a derogatory term for Satan. Yes, it is a very derogatory term for, for Satan. But it does trace back to Baal. Uh, Mammon, Jesus references uh, worshiping Mammon. Mammon traces right back uh, to Baal. And then Satan. Um, Satan is uh, Baal again. And then Baal is mentioned in Romans. The word Baal is sitting there in Romans. Um, so we know that he's got an influence now in, in Mesopotamia and ancient writings. He's got influence in um, the Old Testament. Now he shows up in the New Testament. We even got to the deeds because when we show you the deeds that are in the New Testament, not only does he have influence in the New Testament, he is what the whole war is against in the New Testament. He is what Paul is fighting in all of his in all of his writings. Um, in Egyptian in Egyptian writings, he's Baal. 
Uh, in Rome, he shows up as Jupiter. And in Greece, Greek mythology shows up as Zeus. And now I know what you're thinking. Now we're off the rails here. Just wait until you hear the connection point of Zeus and Baal and what they were worshipped as and what they were revered as by the people, uh, revered because of what they done. It's the same thing right down to the lightning bolt. And Jesus had a whole encounter with, with Baal uh, in the boat with his disciples, but I'll get there in a moment. And so the next one is, uh, the next one is Ashtoreth. Now I'm, I've called her Ishtar, but in your Bible, it is Ashtoreth. A-S-H-T-O-R-E-T-H in your Bible is Ashtoreth. In Mesopotamia, she goes by the name Ishtar. Uh, in the Old Testament, she's Ashtoreth or the word groves. When you find the word groves in the Bible, there's a few groves, uh, the word groves used a few times when it is talking about a group of trees. And that's nothing symbolic. It's just talking about a group of trees. But the rest of the time you see the word groves, uh, she is, it is talking about her, the word groves translates into a word named poles. And poles was her idol symbol. That was literal wooden pole. Matter of fact, Judges 6, God commanded Gideon to tear down the altars of your father, uh, the altar of Baal that your father built, and the grove next to it used the wood of the grove to make a sacrifice to me. Well, I never told that. I was told that part in Sunday school. Just a story. Yeah. Just I, a story with no, the altar. It wasn't even a story. I never even heard it. We always talk about Gideon being a mighty man and all the things that he had to do. But before that even starts, he had to go tear down the altars of two of these gods that his father had built. Well, that's, I'd say that's pretty important to the rest of that story I've heard all my life. Because what if he didn't want to do that? What if he didn't want to tear down the gods before he served the one true God? Another whole story right there. You understand the point we're trying to make? One. I know. We can't get there, though. That's for other shows, Scott. Mesopotamia, she's Ishtar. Old Testament, she's Ashtoreth in the groves. In fact, she shows up, the 400 prophets of the groves, in the same verse of Scripture with the 450 prophets of Baal. And I have heard a million sermons on the 450 prophets of Baal. And not one time have I ever heard a sermon on the 400 prophets of the groves. And they are in the same verse together. This is why the 450 prophets were defeated on Mount Carmel, but Jezebel was not. Separate gods, separate priest, separate fight. Another whole thing, another whole, we can't go there. We'd be here all day long. Uh, in the New Testament, where's she at in the New Testament, Brother Adrian? Diana, Ephesians, Diana's temple. I think Robert ought to tell us a little bit about Diana's temple. That's that's kind of his, his deal. So, uh, Paul writes about the uh, Temple of Diana uh, in Ephesians. Uh, and when we look that up and do some studying, it's the, it was an ancient wonder of the world. It was so massive and so big, uh, the, the Temple of, of at Diana. The time, at, the at, at the time, it was an ancient. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Uh, and, you know, so imagine uh, trying to preach Jesus. Uh, in, to people that had never heard of Jesus. To people that had never heard of Jesus, but they could look across the way and see an ancient wonder of the world uh, to, a, to a pagan god. To a pagan god. Imagine the task that that's it. So she shows up there. She shows up in Acts 19 when the sorcerers are mad at Paul because he's hurting their business in Ephesus and um, in, Di in Diana's temple. Now, another translation of the Bible uses the word Artemis. 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 
Uh, same same thing, just a different All work. traces back. All traces back to Ishtar. And so uh, there she is in the New Testament. You, you read her, uh, read in Roman, I mean, in Egyptian history, she shows up as Isis. Um, in Rome, she shows up as Venus. Uh, in Greek mythology, uh, Artemis, we mentioned that one already, but she goes by another name of Aphrodite. And if you want to plug that in to current day happenings, then have at it. But we're going to flesh them out in their deeds here in just a moment. And so there's Baal, there's Ashtoreth, and now there's Moloch. Uh, Moloch's probably the most known of the three because he was the darkest of the three and the most out front of the three uh, in child sacrifice. But in, in Mesopotamia, uh, he goes by Nergal, Mesopotamia. In the Old Testament, he goes by multiple names, uh, Moloch, Milcom, Molech, uh, Chemush, if I'm saying that right. Uh, the god of the Amorites, um, I think the god of the Canaanites, um, but Moloch, Milcom, and Chamush. And then the New Testament, obviously in Acts 7.43, which got us here, uh, he shows up as Moloch again. In Carthaginian, I think I said it right, history, and Greek history, he shows up as Kronos. And if you look and study out Moloch through um, the lens of African history and South American history, especially with the Aztecs. Um, if you was to start there, and whatever the names of their god was that they sacrificed human beings to, the, the, every year the Aztecs sacrificed 1% of their population to him. But if you were just blind in this and you found out what that name was and you started tracing it back to Mesopotamia, guess what you're going to come to? You're going to come to Nergal, and then you run that forward to your Bible. I, I can't stress that enough. Your Bible is going to show up as Moloch. So now you tell me. And we can take all this stuff and trace it back to Mesopotamia and then trace it forward to Scripture, Mesopotamia being the land of the Chaldees where Abraham was called out of. They knew something we didn't know. And what a great trick to convince everybody that I'm not real while I operate. Perhaps this is why Jesus said he is the father, the father of lies. It's worth noting that Moloch and Baal have a lot of similarities to each other. They Baal do. is known for human sacrifice as well, but they Moloch do. has the distinction of being for child sacrifice to the point where the Valley of Ammon was renamed to... Um, Hinnom. Or Gehenna. Hinnom. Gehenna, Gehenna, which goes back to Hinnom in, mm -hmm. in 2 Kings 23. Yeah, which the translates Tophet. to hell. That's right. So the the acts of this God were so abhorrent, he yeah. became known as the abomination. Well, we're going to cover those influences in a moment, but as we talk about this, because we've, we've got to get into astrology next, you're uh, um, going to see some similarities. It is worth noting that Baal and Moloch seem, at times, if you read certain articles and writings, they almost seem the same. Yeah, then if you they look, both have a distinction with a bull where that's right. uh, Baal is a bull, but that's right. Moloch is a humanoid figure with a bull head. Right. So they have a lot of similarities, and breaking we, them off as distinct entities is sometimes difficult, but the Bible does recognize them as two individuals. It does. So it, it does we, in, we, in their altars mm -hmm. and in, in, in their, even in their uh, temples, yeah. there's, uh, there is separation there. But even if there's not... It still doesn't defile what we have found in Scripture. Yeah, because Solomon built a temple to right. Moloch. Mm -hmm. It's not specified Baal. 
Moloch and Ishtar. That's right. But not specifically Baal. So That's right. Perhaps so, they're they're the same entity, but we... So even we, if somebody was to show up uh, with a critical spirit or a research spirit in the right spirit and say, hey, these are the same, we, we acknowledge that that is a possibility, but the scripture very much seems to separate them starting in Acts 43, 7, uh, Acts 7.43. So then we went to astrology. Why is astrology important? Why is all this important? Because in this is the war that we're all fighting and you don't you may not even know that you're fighting it. So we went to astrology and we, we had permission, uh, we had permission to uh, we had permission to look at astrology because there is something very significant that happened in 2 Kings 23 that gives us the right to look at my, my, uh, at astrology. Most Christians are looking at it these days passively anyway. Yeah, they, you just think it's nothing, just like we thought all this other stuff was always nothing, if we even knew about this other stuff. Uh, and it's way bigger than we thought it was. But 2 Kings 23.5, listen to the context of this. And he put down the idolatrous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in high places. There's an adventure. Go do you a... Uh, Go do your study on high places in the Bible. Wickedness in high places. High places are mentioned a lot. But incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places around Jerusalem. Them that burned incense unto Baal, the sun, to the moon, and to the planets, and all the host of heaven. So there's the sun. They were burning incense as, as pagan worshipers to their gods. To the sun, which we'll make sure we got the we got the context right before we bail off in astrology here. To the sun, to the moon, to the planets, and all the host of heaven. The host of heaven in the context of this scripture is not God and his angels. We've probably saw the host of heaven and we thought in scripture that's what it meant. Our God is in the scripture is called the Lord of the host. Catch that in your Bible. Catch it in your Bible. When you see the host of heaven, there's a very good chance that that is talking about the gods. When you see Lord of the host, our God is the Lord of the host of heaven. So when David came to the giant, he said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's a whole thing right there. That's not just words. That is a whole thing in the spiritual battle between the one, our God, who is the Lord of the host and these three gods. Go search that up for yourself. It's big. It, it's huge. And it's huge. It's the whole context. It's just words yeah. before you have the filter. But once you have right. the filter, you see you see it in the context that there is only one God. And Jesus is the one true God. It, the it's, Lord it's of fast. the hosts. And then, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that war in the New Testament because the war in the New Testament is just as prevalent as it is in the Old Testament. Astrology. So let's talk about astrology. Baal. Baal is represented by Saturn. Uh, he was the sun god, uh, and through a lot of different civilizations that we found. Worshipped as the sun god, uh, Jupiter. And, and some of these some of these are going to cross uh, cultural lines. I'm just going through them and not naming what cultures they are. But uh, Jupiter, by the time you get to Roman and Greek mythology, he's, he's Jupiter. Uh, Saturn, and he's known as uh, the wandering star. And now we read, I read, actually read that one in Khan's book. Until one day we're reading the Bible and we find the word, the worshiping of wandering stars. And I about flipped out because who would have known what that meant until we had this information, wandering stars. So there's, there's Baal, as recap, Saturn, sun god, Jupiter, 
wandering star. Do you want to add anything? Add anything to that? As you go, uh, I think it's important to note that in the Bible, there's multiple references uh, to this in here. Uh, you know, Amos talks uh, about the the constellation of Orion. Seek the God that that made uh, made Orion. I mean, it's it's in there over and over many different references to. You know, you just showed me that the other day, and I had no idea the word Orion was in the Bible. Even after all the research and writing reading we've done, I still did not know the word Orion was in the Bible. And it is, and it is specifically talking about the constellation Orion in the Bible. So. Just lots of references. I know, and I know where you want to run that back to. We'll get there. I know. And you, you're on it, dude. But we don't have time to run that back to the Bible, to to names in the Bible that, that, that's been given. But that's another whole, that's another it day. It is. That's another day. So Ishtar, Venus, uh, the planet Venus, the moon, more specifically the half crescent moon represents her, but uh, the moon. Um, and she's also known as the morning and the evening light, the morning and the evening light. And we'll show you the polarity in her uh, when we get to the deeds here in just a little bit. But Venus, the half crescent moon, and morning and evening light. Anything you want to add? Anything to that? To that? Okay. Uh, Moloch and Moloch uh, in astrology seems to be represented, and there's some of that connectivity to Baal, Scott, that we talked about, uh, seems to be represented by everything mentioned above he just seems to be like an embodiment of, of all three there's really not a lot on Moloch in astrology to the point where it seems like i think uh but he also can't hide one of your friends called him the cleanup crew yeah uh, does all your sins calvin wheat shout out to calvin wheat he all calls your him sins the that crew. glorify these two gods ultimately pay the sacrifice to Moloch yeah. with the way that you raise your children <laughs> that's uh that's another whole podcast as well uh they're after two things they're after two things and that is that is actually the next thing that i wanted to cover and i'm glad you brought that up because the deeds and we're going to get to the deeds of the gods right now that's where we're going now we're going to flesh this out so don't start this if you're going to cut it off you're not going to want to cut it off when we start because we're going to we're going to hunker down right here and deal with it so uh let's uh get you something to drink or something real quick and let's dig in on the deeds of the god Okay, so the deeds of the gods. Now, before we get here, very important. Like I said, uh, want to listen to this intently because this is going to show up in reading your Bible. And this is also going to show up in your life. Um, it's going to show up in Bible. It's going to show up the deeds. Here's the deal with the gods. You can find them in names. And, and here's what, before we go any farther, and you're trying to wrap your head around all this, let, let's make one thing very clear. When God Almighty got ready to give... His first written piece of material to mankind. With his finger, he etched in stone the Ten Commandments. What was the first thing that he told us? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. <laughs> thou sh go ahead. Meanwhile, <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. Meanwhile, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Now. If somehow, and I'm guilty, right? I'm guilty of what I'm fixing to say. Somehow we turn that about missing church on the weekends to go hunting. or And that's not good. Not, we turn that about, turn that into travel ball. Or we turn that into hobbies. 
And those things aren't good either. You can turn any any of Which those. Which still is applicable to agree. It is. If it you is. make it, it is. an idol. But in the context of the scripture, I cannot believe that Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, God etched in stone, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And he had your travel ball team in mind when he wrote that. Right? I can no longer flow in, in that after what we've seen. Meanwhile. There's real gods. Yeah. Real dark entities. Real. And it doesn't matter if you don't want to accept that. They are not our God. They are not. They are the host of heaven. But you have to accept this Satan. Well, let me let me finish that though. Because that's right, Satan, because that traces back. They are uh, the host of heaven, as described in the Bible. And we are we serve the Lord of the host. Oh, those are just false gods and made up. You are you sure about that? Is that something that you're really gonna stand on? A third of heaven fell. A third of heaven fell. And there's a hierarchy. Who who was in that third? No, well, Jesus said it in Luke. I beheld Satan fall from heaven. I watched it happen. So that's what he said. Are we just going to accept that a third of heaven was just Satan? I think if they've hung in so far, they're probably not accepting like, like we were the first two weeks of studying all this. We're not accepting anything we were told anymore. We've got to go back to the drawing board. And we've really got to flesh out clean slate, a clean slate of what this Bible is actually talking about. There's a hierarchy. You want to talk about the third of heaven falling? We're going to get to the deeds in a moment. There's a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy in heaven. There's God. There's archangels. There's messenger angels. Who knows what's going on with Jacob's ladder? But we know there's archangels and messenger angels. All you got to do is read Daniel 10 to prove that. There's yeah, the a, archangels are so powerful in heaven. There, there's a there's a hierarchy. Who who would the archangels be that fell? There's that because angels are free will beings. Because I've had some people ask me that through this journey. Why don't Why don't God just snap His fingers and take care of angels? God doesn't mess with free will, in humanity or angels. They're up there on their free will. They can choose to do what they want, just like we can. That's the beauty of God. That's the That is the beauty of God. Is even the very angels that cry holy and serve Him in heavenly places are there of their own free will. So if there's a hierarchy in heaven, then there's a hierarchy in the darkness. If there's God and archangels and messengers angels, well then certainly there's a hierarchy in the darkness, and that plays out to us in uh, the man among the tombs that was possessed. Jesus shows up, you ask them who they are, and they're conversing, and they said, we are legion. Well, there's a military term right there, as Robert has so many times. Yeah, military term. Military term. There's many of them. And then Jesus cast them out. But what's interesting about that is when he cast them out, the Bible says he spoke to the spirit. Not the spirits, but the spirit. The one in charge. The one in charge. So there's a hierarchy in all of this. So well, what about angels? I mean, what about demons and devils? They're, they're all there. I believe in all of them, but there's a hierarchy in all of this. I do believe that there are hierarchy in all of this. Uh, I believe the Bible confirms, if we actually read it, know what we're looking for in it, will confirm that there's a hierarchy in all of this. Well, Jesus says, who am I to cast out a demon in a demon's name? Exactly. Exactly. He separates it. There's the whole war going on right there. The whole filter is playing well, out he in says that simply Beelzebub. In the, right, and that's where he uses yeah. Beelzebub. So let's get to the deeds of the God with the under the gods, 
and what they have brought to humanity. Now, you really need to pay attention to this. So, Baal, Baal, let's start with him. In ancient writings, and, and we don't have time to reference all of them, you can find them. They're on Google. In ancient writings, the sandstone tablets of Mesopotamia, uh, in all the writings of um, ancient civilizations, um, and you have to do the research, you have to study, uh, trace it back. All right. But remember this, uh, the what, what we're telling you to Google uh, to, to learn for yourself was common knowledge uh, back in the day. So, yeah. uh, you know, when they said these things in, in, in the Bible, uh, it wasn't a mystery to them like it is to us now. So you have to study uh, to figure it out and, and see what's going on. Okay. So, so great. I mean, that's a great point. Because we're sitting here, and this people that are listening to this, some of them have to decide: Do they even believe this? Where as to where it was just accepted in the days that it was written. Well, Robert, it goes question, back to your point. He were trying to build a church next to the Temple of Diana. That they were living a life next to these gods or next to the people. Some, that some were of them. Wait them. a minute. Some of them may have been converted after they had been practicing the deeds of the gods they may have been converted just weeks or months before from throwing their babies in a fire and how or, do you do or, that adrian yeah you have to repent but we can't do that right now we're coming with that that's repentance but we're going to break repentance down and that's so great i know you're dangling carrots in front of them and me uh and you're right we could talk we could be here for four hours with that uh the context of it matters so much, but we got to give you the deeds. What are you looking for? How do they show up in the New Testament? How do they show up in the epistles? What are they fighting? You just brought up, you just brought Diana up in the epistles. We're fixing to flesh that out. Could you imagine throwing your child to the hands of Moloch and then a week later you learn about a giving, loving God that will send his son to sacrifice for you whenever you sacrificed your child for your God that does not exist? I don't know. We're, not live. we're acting like that hadn't happened 63 million times since 1968. Let's move on. We'll cover. We will cover that in just a moment. We're talking about deeds. So, but the deeds, you got to understand something about the deeds. There are two targets of the gods, two main targets. Now they are here to kill, steal, and destroy. Isn't that interesting? Three things, three gods. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. I don't want the tinfoil hat people to get us. Uh, there's two targets, main targets. They're after the children, the next generation. And they're after, they want to invade the temple. So keep that in mind because I'm going to bring you back to that in just a moment. Uh, they want to invade the temple, our temple, God's temple, the, one, the Lord of the host, God's temple. They want to invade our churches and they want our children. Those are the main two targets. So let's talk about Baal. Y'all help me here. Make sure we cover it all. Baal is written across civilization lines as the god of fertility. Now, that's not sexually. The god of increase. No, the, the god of increase. The god of fertility. So they would pray to him that he would bring rain. He was the lord of the heavens, the lord of the thunderstorms, the lord of lightning. I told you I was going to run that back to Zeus. What does Zeus hold? The lightning bolt. Zeus is the Lord of the heavens, the God of gods in his in Greek mythology. Baal is the God of fertility. They would pray for him for rain so that their crops, that was their monetary system, so that they could have as much as they could have. So whenever they left Egypt and they build a calf 
in the valley while God is telling them, Moses in heaven, thou shalt have no other gods before before me. What's the second commandment? No graven images. No molten images. No gra- Don't put any images up that represents anything. So the first two things that God Almighty tells humanity in writing form deals with the gods in the context. And while he's doing this, literally, down in the valley, they've made a golden, a four-footed beast. If you see a four-footed beast in Scripture... That's going to represent the bull, and the bull in Scripture is always going to represent Baal. And down in the valley, they are building a golden calf because they want they want increase, they want stuff, they want they want they want they want they want in they want gain, money. He's he's going to bring. Uh, he's he's known as the Lord of the heavens, the Lord of storms, the Lord of rain, the Lord of self worship. The Lord of, and I touched on that yesterday while I was preaching. All of this self-care, all of this self-care and self-love message that's being preached right now, I, I appreciate it. you got to take care of yourself. Sometimes you need to go on vacation to clear your head, but we know good and well the origins of the self-care and self-love movement is brought into self-worship. That is Baal. Because the Bible says none of that. The Bible says stuff like cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. Pick up your cross. And follow him. It doesn't say, not, not, am I saying that going away for the weekend to clear your mind or going to the gym and working out and getting your body in shape is, is, is self-care in paganology? I am not saying that. Unless it's in your heart. God knows your heart. Unless it's something that you're doing because you don't trust God to renew you, then it could be. But we do know that he is... He is the, the God of self-worship. He is all about you. It is about you. Baal pride. is all about what you want, what you want. That was my next one, pride, success, and money. It's all it's all about you. It's uh, narcissism. It is. I people, want what people, I want. People that can't praise, people that can't worship in church, they don't want to. Why? It's about them. Because if it was truly about him and they look back over their life and what he's done for them, they wouldn't have an issue doing it. But we haven't got to, we're getting to the deeds. We're going to get to some examples of that in a moment. So I don't want to, uh, I don't want to use them all up right now. So the Lord of the heavens, the Lord of thunder and rain, self-worship, money, success, and pride. Ashtoreth, along with many other things, that those are just things that are in front of us, in our face right now. The exact opposite of what Jesus has told us to the do. The exact opposite. That's and the that, war. That's the thing. That's, the, that's war. the war. It's not just commandments to us. He's combating. He's remember. It's all this Bible is about. So then there's Ashtoreth, Ishtar, Ashtoreth in your Bible. Sexual immorality and everything that that term embodies. You name it. And we're not just going to sit and talk about the homosexual community. That is for heterosexuals as well of sexual immorality outside of the marriage bed. Anything that happens outside of the marriage bed is defiled. Porn addiction? Pornography. She is the goddess of pornography. Not even addiction. Yeah, just the you usage of it. Take that back to Mes- You can take the word back to Mesopotamia, trace it right back to her. You can, the cobblestone streets of Rome had naked pictures. All of Roman and Greek mythology is statues where people are naked. And then just Google some of the images of Mesopotamia that she was responsible for, and you'll find all type of illicit, drawn-out things. 
pornography, not a choice anymore. Alcohol, and I know me and Scott has had much conversation about this, not because Scott is an advocate for drinking, but uh, the parameters of it, but it is, she is the goddess of taverns and ale. And she was the goddess of taverns and ale in Mesopotamia. And it was a place where her desire, they even sung hymns about her, that they wanted to get people drunk and participate in illicit sex. And if you look now, some of the greatest sexual acts and mistakes that people have ever made in their life are accompanied with alcohol every time. And then now we find her in Mesopotamia, a whole plan, a whole plan to do so. In Mesopotamia, she had her own temple. And she had parades weekly. People would parade naked down the street, down Main Street. It was, she was the goddess of prostitution in Mesopotamia. They, they would come and prostitutes would pray for her for their safety. And isn't just how the gods work is they produce something in you and then want you to pray to them to keep them from the thing that they gave you. You're sacrificing to them. Sacrificing to them. Let's hold on to that. Don't let me forget that and don't you forget it. They're sacrificing to them. And so they're having parades. Then they would have orgies in the temple. And when they had the orgies in the temple, the women would dress like women. I mean, men. And the men would dress like women. And you say, oh, this is crazy Mesopotamia. Yeah, it's all really crazy until you get to, uh, until you get to the church at Corinth and they're running a whole prostitution ring of cross-dressers out of the temple and, tall, and Paul's got to go deal with it. I can't. We're going to get to that more in just a moment. So it's alcohol. It's politics. The goddess of war. The goddess of chaos. Uh, the goddess of love and war, which you see the polarity there. We'll deal with that in just a moment. Uh, the goddess of gender dysfunction and, and gender, uh, gender role reversal. That's why in Jezebel, which was the chief prophetess of Ishtorth, Ishtar, all of her servants in the temple were what? Eunuchs. Eunuchs. Right? They were castrating themselves. She's the goddess of witchcraft and sorcery. And there's nothing but polarity there because she's from one extreme to the other. She is the morning light and she is the evening light. Aphrodite is where we get the medical term for people born with a real physical disease of hermaphrodite of both parts. She is both, there's hymns to her in Mesopotamia about how she would sit in the ale house. And she was both a man. She would proclaim that she is a man, but she is also a woman. Or she is a woman. Exuberant young man. Exuberant young man, but I am also a woman. And you see the polarity there. And then Moloch, Moloch, his deed is one thing. It's pretty easy. It's death. Absolute death and destruction. So. And what is the consequences of our sin? Yeah, consequence death. So now we're going to get, let's, we gave you the deeds, and we're on the downhill here. But now we're fixing to talk about these, about these uh, three gods. And to preface all this, in the what did Jesus come to do? Well, that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going right now. Well, I want to get down the front end. We, that well, Jesus came and died for our sins. Well, all the gods. Well, if that's if and that's they what they want us to sacrifice for if, them. If you want to do that, sin. if you want to do it on the front end, then let's do it because I'm I'm cool with it. Because we're fixing to show you how they reared their heads up in the New Testament. And well, I just want to plant that seed. They of always, visibility. they always, the gods always want us to sacrifice to them. Sacrifice to me your children. Sacrifice to me your time for money. Sacrifice to me 
um, your morals. Sacrifice to me your virginity. Sacrifice to me, at this rate, your childhood. Give, give, give to me at my altars. And God Almighty, the Lord of the host, looked down and said, I'm going to bring salvation with my own arm. I'm going to do it myself. And he plunged himself down into humanity. Gave a name that is above every name. You want to talk about that? The name He has a name that is above every name. Well, first of all, just think with us now. What does that mean? Who's that written to at the time it was written? Who's that talking to? That at that name. Every knee should bow. We thought, that was, we thought that was talking about human pagans. That's how we quote it. One day, talking about one, one day all these other religions or another denomination. Yeah, these other religions. One day they're going to bow. That's not talking about humanity. That's not written for that. That, at that And I can prove it to you. At that name, because we that very rarely is the whole scripture quoted. At that name, every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Woo! And the church goes crazy. And if you preach it just right and the organ's really hitting in the background, everybody would just run and shout. But, 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 but quote the rest of it. Of things above the earth. Well, who's that talking to? For God so loved the world. Cosmos. That's what that word translates to. Cosmos. And we got to be careful as humans that we're not narcissistic enough to believe that the Bible was written to us. Oh, I know I'm going to get some kickback there, but I'm down with it right now. We think the Bible is written to us. The Bible is written for us. For the word, in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God in the beginning, which means this word was here and working and fighting long before humanity ever showed up. So that word was not written to me. That word was written for me to overcome. And if I choose not to, let me, God, listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. And we're going we're gonna to get to the, some cool stuff in the New Testament. Just hang in. Just hang in there with us in just a second. Let, let, me, be, let me be clear. Let me be clear about this. God's going to win this war. It is a war that's gone on since before creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is a whole declaration of war. That is not just the beginning of once upon a time. That is not what that is. He knew when he spoke the planets into existence, when he gave Noah the rainbow and everything that he was going to bring to even humanity, he knew the gods were going to take them, and they did. So he put the stars in existence, and they took them for themselves. Venus, Jupiter, Mars. They're, 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 astrology is the representation, the very things that God put in place. Now the gods have taken them for their representation. They took humanity and corrupted us. The apple of God's eye. They took the rainbow and corrupted it. What do, you think the, what, what do you think the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, that's listening, that's still uh, here with us right now, what do you think the Bible's fighting? What do you think the war is about? The, the Bible is a whole war of territory, and we are a part of that territory. And, and here, here's the statement that I understand some people are going to have some issues with, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, God's going to win this war. And he's going to do it with or without us. Choose you this day. Oh, hope you. That's my closing remarks, dog. That's my closing scripture. 
but we're going to we're going to quote it all this time buddy when when we close it out we're going to quote it all instead of just the little part everybody likes god's going to win this war with or without us there's no gray area there's no gray area at all he's going to do it and if we don't do it he'll raise he done told us if we didn't praise him he'd raise rocks up the rocks will <laughs> the cry rocks out will, the rocks will cry out he hey either you do it or i will find something to do it because i am going to win this war and so when the gods came and took everything. He said, I'm going to plunge myself down to humanity. I'm going to bring salvation with my own arm. And when he got here, he started preaching the Sermon on the Mount as a, as a combating of the gods. Blessed are, blessed are the meek. What kind of sense does that make? But that combats the gods that want you to be arrogant, warring. Well, we've taken a whole new stance on what humble means now. Well, no doubt. And so when he died... That was significant. Now, we already knew it was significant. We didn't know the context of why it was significant. And then the happenings around the cross was even more significant. But when he died, it was him telling us, they've asked you to sacrifice to them. Sacrifice your money. Sacrifice your morals. Sacrifice your babies. Your body. Literally, your body. Literally. In 2 Kings 23, Fathers would take their children down that brick path with flames on each side, hand it to the priest of Moloch, and they would throw them babies over into the fire, and they would beat the drum so loud that it would sound out the screams of the babies that were burning to death. And Jesus came down and said, they've asked you to give everything to them, sacrifice everything to them. But I'm coming, and you don't have to sacrifice for me. I'll sacrifice for you. You don't have to almost just end the podcast. You don't have to sacrifice your children. You don't have to sacrifice your body and your mind and your heart. You don't have to. I want to sacrifice for you. Now, you've got to choose. You've still got to choose. Just because I did it doesn't mean that it automatically applies to you. You've still got to operate in repentance. You've you've still got to do the work. But let's just be clear about the cross. What was the first thing that happened when Jesus died? First of all, he said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? First of all, that was a song. (laughs) that wasn't Jesus questioning God the Father he was singing a song back in Psalms we'll cover that another day go find it for yourself read your Bible it's very interesting it's very interesting the brother started singing a song when he died for for me and you he started singing a song that's incredible what's the first thing that happened when he died went dark why why? Why'd it go dark? What went dark? It was, by the way, it was noon. The sun went dark. The sun, who and what's Baal represented as in all civilizations and worshipped as? Lord of the heaven. The sun god. The sun god. All right, let's talk about that for a minute. So he, he's the golden calf. First of all, Baal is the originator of people that want to worship the creation more than the creator. What type of creation? Anything. Well, name it. Now, well, I'm not going to go there. You're baiting me into another whole show. What you're baiting me into. I, I am. What you're, I, I'm giving people an what, idea what of what they can expect. Yes. What you're baiting me into, and I'll just say it, is the creation of denominations. 
Now, Paul deals with this specifically. Were there denominations in this time frame? I think we've brushed past that, but we did not explicitly said that. That's right, but Paul deals with it. Paul deals with it in Romans 1 when he starts talking about you've changed the image of Christ into literal animals. Yes. And Baal, it was specific, we'll get to Ishtar in a moment, but of birds and a four-footed beast, Romans 1, that's what he's talking about. Because man always wants man always wants to worship what they can create. If we can create enough programs, if we can create enough interest, if we can create enough marketing, if we can create enough this, if we can create enough that, and before you know it, you're worshiping the creation more than you are the creator. That is not some fancy line for me. That is Romans chapter 1, word for word almost. You have worshiped the creature over the creator. And humans being a construct of God, so, a creation of God, humans will, by default, worship, worship something, something. They will. And you will either worship the God or you will worship a God. And now, and this is what we're kind of getting towards, is that your sin is not just sin. Your sin is worship, at least intentional sin, sin that you live in. Well, once you know all this, it becomes an intentional sin. Right. Is, a, is worship to one of these three gods. Yes, are you living in sin that is intentional or that you know that you shouldn't be living in? Uh, you're worshiping a dark God. And it's not no longer the blood of Jesus it just forgives me for this. It's You are now living in idolatry. And what is the number one commandment once again? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So you got the golden calf represented by the bull in Scripture. Then you got Saturn. Um, Saturn. The, the most prominent in astrology at that time, the most prominent star that could be seen was the Lord of the heavens. It represented, listen to this, it represented the Lord of the heavens, Baal. So when Christ was born in, you want to see the war, ladies and gentlemen? You thought it was just stories. We thought it was just stories. You want to see the war? When Jesus plunges himself to humanity in Bethlehem, how does he choose to how does he choose to announce his arrival? From a star. With a star. To make sure that Baal knows that this is my territory. But Baal's also the Lord of Thunder. Zeus, the lightning bolt, rains, thunderstorms. So when they're on when they're on the boat with his disciples and he's asleep and they the, a storm blows in. By the way, that's right before they get to where the devil-possessed man was. I'm quite certain there was a whole war going on in the heavens. They didn't want Jesus to show up to that island, but we're probably just running on conspiracies now, right, guys? <laughs> Anyhow, they, Jesus cares not that we perish. And Jesus walks out on the front of the boat and looks at the thunderstorm, the lightning, the Lord of the heavens, and said, Peace be still, and immediately... A great calm. A great calm. Uh, we thought that was a cool party trick. Not a chance. That's another whole war of dominion and territory uh, in the Bible that's going on. And, and so now Jesus uh, Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. Satan, Baal, comes to him. How are you going to do this and I'll give you the kingdoms what of the world? What happened before that, though? The kingdoms of the world. What, what happened right before that? What happened right before? Baptism. Yeah, baptism. We're, we're not going there today because baptism, oh, my Lord. Wait till we give you the one on baptism, and it will probably be episode three, I would imagine. 
three or four when we get to baptism. But we didn't know nothing about baptism. You don't know nothing about whatever you think you know about baptism. Just go ahead and just flush that right now because we don't know nothing about baptism. But anyhow, Jesus is in fasting and then he's come tempted. And he's told, do, you know, do this and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. What are the kingdoms of the world? Politics, money, religion. What are the kingdoms of the world? What else, what else can they be? Politics, money, religion. Well, and all three times Jesus told him, it is written. Well, where's that written at? Because he wasn't talking about the New Testament. Come on, help me, guys. Help me out there. Talking about the Old Testament. He's not talking about it. Wasn't the New Testament. It is written. Where is it written at? It's written down in the law. As we said earlier, Paul said, establish the law, for it is where the knowledge of sin is gained. And where's the knowledge of sin gained? When you know the gods that are represented in the Old Testament that are still around in the epistles. I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Then Jesus, our precious little Jesus, that we have all but feminized down to a, and condescended him down to some level of weakness, walks in the temple. Why? Because the gods always want to invade the temple. I, try, I told you that earlier, the temple and the children. He walks into the temple and he sees that the whole place is trying to do nothing but make money. Now, we're not talking about fundraisers that go into the temple's function right? We're talking about people that are using the temple to put money in their pocket. And this man throws a fit, whips them, runs them out. Why? He was fighting a war. It wasn't that he didn't love humanity. It wasn't that he didn't love those people. That's why we've never been able to connect these thoughts. Why would make Jesus? Oh, we don't, we don't like that Jesus here in the South. That Jesus is just a little over the top. That Jesus was fighting a whole war against Baal, the God of money, mammon, and it was in his temple. And he can show some grace to you until you get in his temple. I can show you some grace and some mercy as long as you, as Second Kings would said, they worship idols in private. But you bring that to my house, I'm going to protect my house. I'm going to protect my house. Made it a den of robbers. He said, you've made it a den of thieves. My, my house has been known as a house of prayer. That's just a few examples of how Baal was combated in, uh, in and go look at the epistles, about those that are out for money, those that are trying to come into the church, gain and pride and sway people, and research the words that are listed in all, all of the, all of the epistles, it's Baal. It is a war of Baal. You might not see the word gods and idols like you do in the Old Testament, but the deeds of the God or more gods are more prevalent in the in the epistles. Matter of fact, that's all the epistles is about. They were written to Gentiles, pagans that were worshiping these gods. The epistles are written to Gentiles. Try to get that together as you listen to what I just said. The epistles were written to Gentiles, non-Jews. But they all had the same problems. Jews was killing Stephen because he called them out. Same thing was happening in the Gentiles. So now let's go to Ashtoreth. Let's show some, th let's show some ways in the Bible that she was combated. Sexual immorality. Well, what does the Bible say about sexual immorality? All of it. We're not going to hunker down on just one thing. All of it. It's a sin against yourself. It's bad. 
But the Bible specifically says it's sin against your own body. It does. It's bad. I don't even know of another word that I can put with it that it is bad. Like biblically speaking, I understand people mess up, make mistakes, and go directions. I get it. I'm I'm not again. I'm just giving you this in the in the in the context of the scripture, what the scripture says. It is bad. Sexual purity is important in the kingdom of God. Why is it important? Why is marriage important? We marriage is now turned into we found somebody, we like them, they're cute, they're hot, let's have a wedding, take a bunch of pictures, celebrate it on social media. Marriage is a whole act of spiritual warfare that takes two people, commits to one another, both in their actions, their hearts, their deeds, and sexually, and it keeps them from stepping outside into sexual immorality. That is the very reason the institution of marriage exists, so that we can keep away from sexual immorality. I mean, how, how else do you want me to say it? I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you right now. That's why the, Paul said that the marriage bed is undefiled. First of all, the marriage bed is not a place. It is a thing. But it sits in a place. And it sits in the place in the home, in the privacy of the home. Why is that the case? Because Ishtar wants to have all of her sexual parades in Mesopotamia. She wants her orgies in the temple. She wants all of her prostitutes out front on Main Street. Just like everything your kids, you got to watch them on YouTube and Disney and they're shoving it down our face at this very moment. And the Bible says, just take, hey, this is a great subject. This is a great thing. Go participate in it. Just do it with rules and morals and in private. It's not trying to constrict you. It's not trying to tell you what to do. It's trying to save your life. Trying to keep you from worshiping a dark It God. is trying to save your life. And there's Jezebel, 400 prophets of the grove. Can somebody tell me? And before I'm we upset get too, about this. Two more deep into it. There's the, the amnesia effect of worshiping the this amnesia God. effect. We're just, we're going to have to do about a, uh, about week six, take a break and do a whole show on the am amnesia effect of Baal. Because the danger of worshiping the gods yes. is that you forget who yes. the, who your god is or so who the let, god is. Let, let me let me let me continue with Ashtoreth here. Jezebel, I, I'm upset about this. I'll give you Remphan. I'll give all my preacher friends that I text. You ever heard of Remphan? Remphan, 100% no. I'm upset about this. I'm upset at myself. I'm upset at preachers in general. I'm upset at religion the systems. How, how in the world did we preach the 450 prophets of Baal all these years and I ain't never heard one word in the same scripture about the 400 prophets of the grove that trace back to Jezebel? Not one word. So there's the war. Now, we had to get away from Elijah to deal with her. Apparently, Elijah's anointing wasn't, wasn't fit to fight Ishtar, he fled. He did fled, and so then I ain't doing that. When his man, yeah, <laughs> when his mantle fell to Elisha, and then Elisha anointed Jehu to be king, and Jehu, well, that dude was just—that's my dude there. I love Jehu. He's a little nuts, and sometimes you got to be nuts to fight some of this stuff. You just got to be a little crazy to step up and say, you know, that's enough. I'm not dealing with this in my home in my life. But I'm not here to preach sermon today. I'm just saying that's the war in the scripture. Jezebel. Jezebel has gotten the rap that she deserves. But even the Bible says in Revelation that God gave her space to repent, and she repented not. So the war was not against humanity. 
and we have waged an all-out war on Jezebel. I hope preachers are listening to this, and I hope you repent like I did. We have waged a whole we have re- waged a whole out war on Jezebel, and never touched the God that influenced her. And in Revelation, even God said, "I gave her a chance to I gave her a chance to do right." Now she didn't take it, but I gave her a chance, and we have run her down the road. Rightfully so, she was she was a bad bad woman. We run her down the road, and the 400 prophets of the grove sit right next to her name, and nobody said a word about it. And I'm offended. I'm offended at myself first because we touch the humans, which what religion loves to do is touch humanity. But we don't want to deal with the spirit world because, ooh, that's spooky. And our children are dying. Our rehab centers are full. Our jail, heads, jail cells are full. Church attendance is at an all-time low. And you don't want to talk about this stuff because... It's spooky. And the war's been right here in front of you the whole time. Yeah, see, I'm not fussing at you. This is what we all had to go through when we found this. Absolutely. Had to had to walk through it. We had frustrating. It was frustrating. I was mad. I, I was I was upset, but in a good way, because at least I'd found an answer, but now I've just messed all this up. And then you got Solomon. You got Solomon in the Bible at his old age, building building temples in high places to both Moloch and Ashtoreth. It's a whole war. All of the writings of the prophets, the Old Testament, both major and minor, is nothing but the combating of these three gods. Go look for words like owls, which is a representation of Ishtar. She's always represented by animals in nature, the two main ones being owls and lions. Why do you think Jesus is coming back as a lion, ladies and gentlemen? He came in as a a lamb, but he's coming out back as a lion. Why? Because she had already, her ancient statues show her with lions and owls at her feet. Isaiah 34, the great owl shall make her nest in the desert and raise her young. We didn't know what that meant. We know now. It's talking about Ishtar. He is, the, the Bible says that Jesus is the bright and the morning star. Why do you think it says that? Because she, in, 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 uh, in her original form and in astrology is known as both the morning and the evening star. And so Jesus said, I'll, I'll take that too then. I'll take it. Moloch showed up. That's what they're all about. That's, it's Jesus a war. is just taking it is a war. It is a war of territory. And so when Jesus shows up to the lady that's about to be stoned, you without sin cast the first stone, sexual immorality, caught in adultery, a whole war with Ishtar right there in the streets that he plans to win one way or the other. Strange women that Solomon wrote about in so many writings and proverbs keep me from the strange woman he used a handful of times in the first 20 chapters of Proverbs. That strange woman, that's Ishtar in the scripture. Anytime Which he eventually you see the, made a temple to. He did. Ashtoreth in a high place. Strong drink, alcohol. Strong drink in the Bible is alcohol. You can take that back to Mesopotamia. She gave that to humanity. Quantify it all you want to. Me and Scott's had some Great conversations on what about, and I know the first thing is what about wine in the scripture? We have much evidence. We have much evidence to show that the wine that Jesus turned water into wine and the wine that they drank at the Last Supper and all their gatherings was non-alcoholic. We have, we have a lot of evidence that points in that direction. But we also have all kind of evidence in the Bible that says stay away from strong, that's a quote, strong drink, drunkenness. Stay away from it. Why? Because it's an opening to a spirit world. Why? Because she's also the goddess of sorcery and witchcraft. That's why most witch doctors and people that pagan, people that 
actually operating witchcraft now, they will go get high or they will get inebriated through alcohol or they will be on pills, witchcraft. Witchcraft, the word witchcraft in the Greek means pharmakia. It is where we get the word pharmacology. It has an effect. Anything that's mind-altering. Anything that mind-alters you in mind or body. And so then you got the prostitution ring in Corinthians, so Paul's got to go deal with that. There's the war again in the epistles. That's that's tracing back to ritual. That's not, not just the thing happening. And somehow we turn that into how people should dress in our systems. And Paul's fighting a whole dark God at the place in all of his writings. And you got Acts chapter 19. You got the witchcraft people complaining that he's messing their business up at Diana's temple in Ephesus. I got to go read it. somehow, man. Huh? I got to make some money somehow. That's what he was saying. I mean, he's killing our, our side business here. Then you got angel worship. Then you got angel worship in Galatians. Well, what's going on there? There's another whole war. That's the stuff that they were fighting. And I don't know why we've been, I'm part of this. So please don't let it sound like I'm, I'm sitting here acting why y'all are doing this while I've got it all figured out. I don't. I'm just saying we've turned the epistles and stuff in all type of doctrinal writings, and it has nothing to do with any of it. It's a war against three gods. What y'all are thinking, possibly, while y'all are listening to the to to this now, is is the things we've worked through already. Uh, we've had these emotions, and uh, I can't believe that's in there. And you know, here it is. Here we are, trying to share it with you. It's exciting, and we want you to get it. Yeah, love your neighbor. Right down to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because the dark gods don't want you to love your neighbor. I they can't live they in want anger you to hate your neighbor. They, they want you to be bitter. They want mm-hmm. you. They want you to serve each other. That's what churches are based upon right now. Serving one another. I love my church family, and I'm all for that. I'm not, I'm not trying to start a war with that. I'm just saying we've turned in the fellowship with one another way more than we have the fellowship of God. We've served in what we can create. And, and here's the problem. And here's the problem because we're serving each other, and we may not necessarily be serving him. Whenever Robert offends me, I fall into bitterness and hatred, yeah. and the church splits. It's artificial humbleness. And the church splits. But if my service is to the Lord... And then if my service is to the Lord, and because my service is to the Lord, I love Robert. Mm -hmm. If Robert now offends me, I can move on. I can forgive him and move on because my service is not to Robert. My service is to the king, just like the Lord of the host. Just like it should in your marriage. Just like it should be in your marriage, which is another whole podcast. Your heart should work for God, and the fruits of that would be your capacity to be a good spouse or be a good servant inside the kingdom, inside the church. So let's cover Moloch now. Moloch, 2 Kings 23, the Topheth, the Valley of Hinnom. The Topheth was the, the, the piece that they built with hands and they would light the brass hands on fire and heat it up. And fathers would walk their children, and I mentioned it earlier, but walk their children down this path, hand them to the priest. Mothers generally is what we found. I found fathers. Did you? The scripture says fathers. Okay. Perhaps there's some gender bias going on there. I don't know. Either way, it's parents. Right. It's walking their children down this path. As people and drank throwing, and partied sure. and danced and the drums played. Threw them over. And I, well, I, well, into I, the I, hands of Moloch. I know, I know what you're thinking out there. Well, thank God we don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah, except. 
except since the late 1960s. 63 million. Now, less than 1% of that was rape and incest. You think I'm insensitive and I don't understand the argument there? And I'm not going to be trapped by that. You're not going to trap me by that. So I'll give you your 0.9%, which takes us down to 62 million. Babies. Lives. Heartbeats that were walked down the brick path of the hallway and were delivered to the priest called doctors. And they were chemically burned. They were cut in half. And the only thing missing was the drums that played. And if you want to bring it to the live humans, how about the moms and dads that do not train up their children in the way that they should go? That do not operate in correction? That spare the rod? That do not hold the line? How about the dads, the fathers in their homes that do not hold the line for their daughters, the average age now of a, of a girl that will send a nude through some, some sort of electronic device is now seven years old with no oversight, not a care in the world. That is the same thing as taking your children by the hand and walking them down to a brick road, walking them down a brick road and handing them to something that wants to kill them. And you can be mad at me you can rail on me on social media. Share it to your friends and talk about how ugly we have been. The ramifications of sin go deep. The family that lives in sin sacrifices their children to a lot. Whether they want to believe that or not. And you can take that from not teaching your children to be truthful or obedient or having order in your house. And you could take it to the other extreme of molestation and how that destroys a child for their life and leads the child to the future to have mental illness that praises these gods even further. Thou, or, go ahead, I'm sorry. Or the family lives in adultery or... As you said, alcoholism, alcoholism, pornography is the order of the day. You're demonstrating to your child every day, subconsciously or not, what God they should praise. And if you're praising Ishtar or you're praising Baal. Unknowingly, until you know, because there's a good chance that people don't know that right now, which is what we're doing. But all this is still sin. It is, but we've not been able to see. There's the beauty of the filter, and that's a great transitional Mm -hmm. point there. Because the filter was born when we saw all this. And we've just given, ladies and gentlemen, we've just given this to you. And this is just a fraction. It's not simple sin anymore. Yeah, it's just this is just a fraction of what's actually in the Bible. We took the high points just to get this to you in a couple hours. And the filter was born. We were now, we're now able. 
which is not being done in our church society now. We're now able to, what Scott is saying, is we can define sin. Absolutely. Biblically. And the tendrils of its ramifications. That is the problem with the church right now, is we are hollering repentance. And we are telling people what they should repent to. But we are not able to explain to them what they are to repent from. And the problem is that we bold Jesus down to just this. All... When you're not able to tell people what to, re- when you're not able to tell people what specifically is sin and what is not, because honestly, we didn't know the Bible and it's all in here. Well, so we did the best we could, but it is in here. Not only can we tell you what it is in the Bible, we can tell you where it came from. We can tell you its name. We can tell you its name in 40 different uh, 40 different civilizations and where it traces right here to Neshoba County. Dads, we can tell you who to fight. We can tell you who to fight. We've seen an unbelievable influx of men become highly interested in this because men are natural gatekeepers. They want to fight, but we've never been able to tell them who. Put a name on it. Put the deeds on it. And then show me in Scripture. And not only, we've been doing it at this at the church for three months now. Uh, we've been going through the epistles. This is just as much as the epistle, in the epistles as it is the Old Testament. Show me who to fight, and I will fight. Why? Because this book is a book of war. I don't know what we thought it was. And this information is intended to help us win the war while we're here. God will win the war in eternity. But as we Overcomers. Here, yes. Overcomers. And we've drug all of our sins into the church in our lives because mm-hmm. we wasn't told what to repent from because nobody defined it. And then when we were met, when we come to church and all of our stuff's with us and then we leave the same way and then we end up all these cycles and we, we've been told a lot, repent to Jesus. I did repent to Jesus and nothing happened in my life. We, it's not that we hadn't told him what to repent to. One, the real act of repentance mm-hmm. as the filter Gives Which us, is different. It it's is different. Well, now. it's way. It's hugely different. Uh, but what to let? What because, you have to let go of? Because then, when you don't define that, you make sin subjective. Well, we get to define it. We didn't have a way. We of didn't have a identifying way. every everything that it encompasses. So the the spirit will return to the dry place, right? And it's probably seven place. seven other spirits with it, and, and bring seven other spirits. So if you're shape. if you're worshiping Ishtar in one way and <clears throat> repent from that, but you're still worshiping Baal and Ishtar in seven other ways, you haven't repented from those spirits. And the parts that you repent from will return whole, even worse. The whole conversation. And that's that's the salvation. That's the salvation podcast. Now you can do. truly repent. Yeah, truly you can repent. truly repent. But it's gonna come down to it's guys. gonna come down to who you serve. And we'll just we won't flesh that out any farther. But you will serve someone. You will serve someone, but it's going to come down to who you. So it's a book of war. What does the book fight? Who does the book fight? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're trying to get you to see in Scripture. That's what we want to talk to you about. That's what we want to hear from you about. All of us, show me. And the proof of the war is in the epistles. And you will read your Bible. For the first time. For the first time. For the first time. So I'll give you an example of how to do it. Uh, you have the Old Testament stuff we've given you. I don't think we've. There, I don't think there's anything else that we can give you. Gods, idols, 
all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then you get to the deeds and the epistles of the gods and what they've produced in humanity. So if you just say you want to, let's say you want to read Thessalonians, open your Bible up to Thessalonians. We're fixing, we're fixing to wrap it up. Open it up to Thessalonians and then set your Bible to the side. And then Google or study who were the gods of the Thessalonians? Who did they serve? You're going to find some fascinating stuff. You're going to find some crazy names. Trace that back. Start running those names back through Egypt, through Babylon, through Mesopotamia. Guess who you're going to come to? Every time. Not just one time. Every time. They're going to be there directly. They're going to be there by direct association. It's going to come back to one of these three. And then study in the culture of Thessalonian pagan worship what they did. What was their, all of them are different. They do different things. Now, once you have all of that, get your Bible and start reading, and you'll see exactly what Paul is dealing with. His geographical, um, his geographical context, verbal context, written word context. Work, work. There wasn't any Baptist or Pentecostal churches, okay? There wasn't any Methodist or Catholic churches. Paul was not writing to the church down the road that their doctrine was wrong. Can we please not reduce this down to that foolishness. He wasn't writing to the Pentecostal or the Baptist church down the road. He was writing to people that were throwing their kids in a hole. At least they were in Caesarea Philippi, the Philippians. That's who that's the kind of people he was dealing with. So I don't know what you I don't know what we thought the Bible was about. But the Bible it was not the thing we thought it was about. This is not a doctrine. We're we're getting ready to wrap it up. Thank you for hanging in here with us. We love y'all. We're going to say some tough stuff, but it's for y'all. This is not a doctrine. This is not a rewrite of the Bible. In fact, it's not even close to any of that. It is just a reading of the Bible. And it's an understanding that when you see something in there that you don't understand, that you've always just read right past, then stop. See what it's about. It means something. How do you do that? So how does this fight the gods? And watch what you find. And we, we say this and we would ever, and we'll say it, we'll say it from time to time you'll hear us. And we don't ever want you to think we say this in an arrogant manner. This is one of the most humble things that we say amongst ourselves. When you do, when you come across that thing you don't understand, and you study, and you got to study. Study to show thyself approved. The workman rightly dividing the word. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to read our Bible. Stop doing read your Bible in a year apps and study your Bible. Study what it's talking about, who it's talking to, the culture of who it was talking to. One book may take you a year. Yeah, and then you'll find that they were fighting the same things in the epistles that we are fighting right now. We are not fighting anything different now than they were fighting in the Bible. So I don't want to hear, well, we gotta, we got to put it in context. It's the same context. It's the same gods producing the same things in the epistles as it is now. You won't find anything different. That we, same war. We have already laid that out to you. This is the war of eternity. And they want to invade the temple. That's what the epistles are about is pagans and pagan Jews invading the temple. Well, we ain't doing that now. Oh, really? You mean the Catholic priests haven't been molesting boys at the altar? Right? Methodist church ain't just split because transgenders came up and in the hierarchy. Yeah, but they're probably not after the temple. 
what's going on in your denomination that you know has been covered up sexually, morally, financially. Yeah, they haven't invaded the temple. The same war in the epistles is going on right now. And when it's mentioned throughout the Bible, there's always consequence. Always. Don't be mad at me for saying it. I'm just showing you something that happened in Scripture in, the old, in Mesopotamia, in the Old Testament. They invaded every temple in the Old Testament. And we're finna wrap it up. Every temple in the Old Testament. From the tabernacle in the wilderness all the way through to the end of the Bible's writings, they invaded every one of them. In deed, in action, in witchcraft, in sexual immorality, in gain, in pride, you name it. That's the war of the Bible. This is not a doctrine. As a matter of fact, there is no doctrine in the Bible as defined by man. The Bible is one doctrine. There is no Pentecostal doctrine. There is no Baptist doctrine. There is no Methodist doctrine. It does not exist. All of that stuff is the worship of creation. There's a Lord of the host of heaven. And that's it. And that's it. Read your Bible. Or your pagan gods. That's all it is. Read your Bible with that lens. It's a book of war. So when you sit down and read it, how does this fight the gods? And look for them in deed and name and idols and grove and silver and in gold and bulls and owls and lions. Ashtoreth, Moloch, and Baal. Read your Bible. Because once you see it, once you see it, what? It can't be unseen. We love you much. We did the best we could do with this. Contact us if you have questions, if we don't know who you are. Uh, if we don't know who you are, you don't know us. Uh, we love you, and uh, we pray that the grace of Jesus will go with you. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Except that's not what it says. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods on the other side of the flood or the gods of the uh, your fathers, the Amorites, or the, the god of the Amorites, of whose land you dwell. Um, then it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The God Filter, thegodfilter.com. Check it out. Great place for resource. And uh, we look forward to coming, against you, uh, coming to you next time. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Love you guys. God bless.